Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Noya Caribbean podcast. This podcast is dedicated to bringing to life Caribbean history and culture from our Indo-Caribbean experience, the lives of our indigenous people, the Arawak, Kalinago, Taino, and more, our African heritage, and of course, our gangster stories of resistance and rebellion in the Caribbean, throwing in the history of our music, food, and cultural practices. The more we know our history, the more we know ourselves. So get to know yourself through Know Your Caribbean, the Know Your Caribbean podcast. All right, guys, welcome to episode two of the Know Your Caribbean podcast. Thank you guys for joining in. And today, um, I'm just going to give you guys some stories of our indigenous people. I feel especially those of us who grew up in the Caribbean, we learned very little about our indigenous peoples, um, the Arawaks, um, what we call the Caribs, but their proper name is the Kalinagos, and just their kind of personal life stories. We It was always very glossed over in our history books that the Arawaks were very peaceful people, and then like the Kalinagos came and killed all the men and thieved the women, and you know, and, and then the Europeans came and enslaved them and gave them diseases, and they all died, and that was that. But the stories are actually found, not in the history books, in my opinion, but in the diaries of white men, where I found the most insightful 
information about our indigenous people. And I wanted to read some stories with you guys today because the thing about with me in history is I'm not like a dates person or I'm, I'm a people person. I like to know what they said, what they wore, what they did in response to something. Those kind of things connect me to the legacy and the humanity of our history. That's what I'm more interested in when I'm looking into these stories. So I'm going to read with you some excerpts that I had found about the Kalinagos. And, you know, this one excerpt says, they shoot so quickly that they can lose 10 or a dozen arrows in the same time it takes to load a gun. I mean, this is some gangster shit right there, straight off the bat. And I mean... You don't get to hear these stories of how empowered these people were. And I think that's really important for me. As I dig deeper into sharing our stories, I'm always looking for these things of empowerment. So even though, yes, a lot of these stories or the most of the documentation of our history has been documented by white men. So it comes from that perspective. I still dig through and find those little gems because no matter how much what I'm coming to learn is that no matter how much maybe they're racist or they think that they're demonic and stuff they cannot deny the beauty and power of these people and it comes through in their diaries so there's another one here is from Pelabat and I'm going to be speaking about Labat um, so Pelabat is father Labat he was a priest that came to, he spent time in Martinique, in Guadeloupe, and did travel across the Caribbean. And he has a lot of insightful writings about the Kalinago people. And then I found this one where he says, I was leaving the islands when I heard the Jesuits were abandoning the mission at St. Vincent because it is feared that the Indians would massacre the priests. You know, it's those little kind of um, things. I'm like, yo, that's some gangster shit right there because clearly their power was recognized. And I thought that was absolutely incredible. And another thing from Pelabat's book, he says that on this boat, they had a carved head of a monkey in base relief and they had carved it very badly. And near this carving, they fastened a human arm. The Indians offered to make me a present of this relic of humanity which they said had belonged to one of six Englishmen they had killed in Barbuda in a raid. And I'm like, I love this little mini excerpt because it's like the way they were like, yeah, we killed them fellas. And he's speaking, you know, they were speaking to another European and saying, yeah, we killed six of them. We took the arm as a trophy. We have, you know, kept it here on one of our boats. Would you like it? You know, as a sign of respect, but also you need to recognize who the hell we are of course he declined uh, to take the arm but these are the kind of stories that i look for when i'm trying to find the history of our indigenous people so one of the stories i'm going to tell you about is a woman called barbie and i found out about this story a few years ago and it hasn't left me since it i think about it all the time so let's go back we're talking latter 1600s Caribbean. And the colonists are coming in droves to start to kind of populate these islands for their conquests. And in between that, obviously, we have the indigenous peoples there. They have their different tribes. They have their agreements and they have their disagreements. 
So there is infighting, as with everywhere from Africa, all over. We did not live in a necessary peace and harmony amongst each other before the Europeans came. But the Europeans just brought it to a next level, right? So what had happened is Barbie is, well, she was an Arawak woman and she was from the Igneri tribe. So even within the subcategories of tribes, okay? So she was an Igneri woman and it is alleged that there was some infighting and there was a raid on her village and she was taken away to St. Kitts by the Kalinagos. And she was integrated into that community and she, you know, she had her children and so on. But she harbored a kind of resentment towards the Kalinagos for separating her from her family. In between this time, St. Kitts had the French coming over. So at the time, the Kalinagos were like, okay, French people... You guys can come, but, you know, we're going to be a bit apprehensive about you guys. we got our eye on y'all, all right? Then the English start coming to the next part of the island. And then the Kalinagos are like, yo, we're not feeling these people. Okay, this is too much. We're feeling encroached on. We're not about that life. So what had happened is that the Kalinagos started to plan an attack on the British to get them out. And they planned to do it on the night of the full moon, which was soon approaching. Within this time, obviously, it's like it's not as soon as the British landed. It was over a period of weeks or months, this encroachment was happening. So they had to plan. But within that time, Barbie, who was said to be very beautiful, fell in love with the governor, the British governor of St. Kitts. And his name is Thomas Warner. Thomas Warner amassed in today's money over 100 million pounds in wealth during his time um, with his exploits in St. Kitts um, and spreading to the Caribbean, a mini base in St. Kitts, a hundred million pounds. So he was a very affluent man. He had his wife and children, but Barbie fell in love with him, allegedly. And they had a sexual relationship, which continued on. So when Barbie heard that, the Kalinagos, who, you know, she was holding a bit of something about, you know, her separation from her family, heard that they were going to attack the man that she had fallen in love with. She went and she told Thomas what was going to be happening. So what happened is Thomas rounded up his people and attacked the Kalinago camp in the middle of the night and killed a few hundred people within that time. Um, so they ambushed them two days before the full moon and that was due to because Bobby told him what's happening. And within that time, so this now, there's this big war happening and loads of Kalinagos come across from Dominica and there's this huge fight that happens on this beach in St. Kitts. And it is estimated that almost or about 2,000 Kalinagos lost their lives and about 100 to 200 British or Europeans lost their lives in the fighting. And that's because due to they had their heads up and the Kalinagos were unprepared and they did their best. But this was one of the very, very tragic stories that happened, the loss of life and, you know, Bobby and the whole story of Bobby, whether the relationship was consensual or whether that she was pressured or she was, you know, coerced. We don't know. But this is a story that historians tell. And I found it very hurtful, very, very hurtful. So with that, the story continues is that Thomas Warner continues to say governor of St. Kitts. The Kalinagos are 
deported or expelled to Dominica because no European really wants to deal with Dominica because the terrain is too rough, it's too mountainous, it's too foresty, it's not ideal for um, sugar cultivation because it's so mountainous. And so they don't really deal with Dominica, so they send the Kalinagos off to Dominica. And this is one of the reasons why Dominica still has a Kalinago stronghold due to their terrain. But I'll talk about that in a moment. So what happens with Barbie is that Barbie has a son and it is Thomas's son. So within all of this time with this fighting and all that's going on, Barbie has a son. Thomas Sr. accepts the son who is now Thomas Jr. And they call him Carib Warner. So Carib Warner, very strangely, is accepted into Thomas's household. Barbie goes to Dominica and stays there. And then Thomas Jr. grows up. And he grows up amongst his white stepmother, his father, and his two white half-brothers, one of which is called Philip, and they're quite similar in age, and they become very, very close growing up. And Carrie Warner, or Thomas Jr., grows up in this very rich, elite family, right? And he learns English, he learns French, and, you know, he learns the way of the Europeans because he is basically the son of the governor of St. Kitts and, you know, is one of the richest men in British history. So, years pass and what happens is Thomas Sr. dies, okay? And at this point, Thomas Jr. is either around 18 or a very young man. So Thomas Sr. dies, right? And then the stepmother just switches on him and says, Yo, I don't want you here. You have to leave. You're not my child. You're not even white. You need to get out of here. So he canoes to Dominica and there's this big heartfelt goodbye between him and his brother Philip right and it's of course because they grew up together so Thomas Jr. goes to Dominica he reunites with his people he starts to learn the language learn the customs remember he is fluent in English and French and just the ways of the Europeans he's bitter upset resentful for everything that has happened so what happens over the years is that he garners and grows respect in the Kalinago community and then he's appointed as chief or one of the chiefs. And what he does is that he just starts to run a rampage across the Caribbean where he's going from like he's raiding this English colony, he's raiding this French colony, he's raiding like all kind of people, he's playing cat and mouse, playing chess, like he's pissing off everybody because he's like, yo, burn all of y'all, right? So, what happens is, years later, who is the governor of Antigua? His brother, Philip. So now, all the British are like, yo, Philip, you need to talk to your brother because this man is just fucking up everything and he's a pest, okay? You need to do something about it. Of course, Philip growing up with this man is obviously he's very conflicted, but at the same time, he's governor, he's making his money. Team England, Team Britain, and obviously this always this belief that full white is right, is better, is of, of more value than someone who is half or not even white at all. So there's all of these kind of conflicts, but of course this is someone he grew up with, childhood memories and so on. So what happens is that Philip Warner, his brother, decides, all right, 
So he reaches out to his brother and says, yo, hear what? We need to talk, all right? Can I come and link you in Dominica? I'll bring a boat. I'll come down. I'll link you. Let me talk. So his brother, Carib, or Thomas Jr., is like, cool, calm down. I'll bring some of my brethren with me. So he brings like some other Kalinago chiefs with him. And they go on the boat to talk. And this big reunion, and they're laughing, and drinking, and talking, and eating, and like bring back all kind of memories of them growing up together and seeing kids and laughing at stuff and it's just wonderful very emotional and very obviously mixed emotions as well because it's very tense but all of the tensions are released and lost in the nostalgia of their growing up together and they yeah they drink and laugh and be merry and then what happens is is that philip turns around and slits his brother's throat he kills Thomas Jr. And then all the Europeans, the British, turn around and they kill all the Kalinago chiefs. So all of Caribona's brethren kill all of them. They descend off the boat, raid Thomas's village and kill as many men as they can and rape the women. And reading that story will forever impact me because the complexities, the tragedies. And it's something that I think should be a film, something that is exclusively Caribbean, but something that really just shows the tragedy in our history and the humanity in our history. And that it all started from way back from Barbie as a young, maybe a child, separated, and how she held that in her heart and then how she sought some kind of revenge in her conflicts to tell Thomas about the attack and how it comes back full circle to her own child. And I just, I, this story, I just always thought it was an incredible story and I don't think it will ever leave me. And I think about it all the time. There is a place in St. Kitts called Bloody Point because when they had the massacre, the Europeans piled up the bodies very disrespectfully into a river which was a sacred place for the Kalinagos. And of course, the blood washed into the water for many days or weeks. And it's called Bloody Point. So, you know, these are the things that, um, yeah, we have as part of our histories. One of the things I wanted to do was read some of these excerpts from the books that I found interesting. So I'm going to read a little bit about Pere Labat in his memoirs, which you can find online. As well. So one of the things that he says is that, so he lands in Dominica in 1699. So this is about, I think, more than 50 years since the massacre. So he says, we set sail again, however, on the 9th and anchored at Dominica opposite the Cabe of Madame Ovenard. And he has it in brackets, Warner. This woman is very old and I do believe she must have been one of the oldest creatures on the island. She was very beautiful at one time, so they said, and she had been the mistress of the first English governor of St. Kitts. They had always continued to call this old lady Madame Ovenard ever since the English sent her back to Dominica after the governor's death. But it was her age rather than her relations with this man that caused her to be held in esteem by the Caribs. She had many children by Ovenard and her cabbie was full of an extraordinary number of sons, grandchildren 
and great-grandchildren, etc., etc. So that's Bobby. So all these years later, Pelabat, yeah, so it was in 1700. So it's 50 plus years after the massacre and Bobby's still alive and well. She survived the attack um, that happened again from Philip and seems that she had more children and that I'm not too sure if she had more children with Thomas Senior or she had children with a subsequent husband or so on or that she had previous children but Bobby was alive and well and that she was very much a respected person within the community despite everything that happened. So one of the descriptions that um, Pelabat says is that this good woman was naked for she had not got two dozen hairs on her head. Her skin was like old smoked wrinkled parchment and she was so bent that I could not see her face except for when she leaned back to drink. She had, however, plenty of teeth and her eyes were still bright. And she asked me if we wished to stay in her cave. And I told her I would do so with pleasure as long as the Barke remained at anchor. Barke or Bark? I don't know. B-A-R-Q-U-E. Bark? Yes. As long as the Bark remained at anchor. She made someone bring me a hammock and I thanked her. And I did not wish to be covered with a rook or castor oil like a carib. And I chose another spot in the cave where I could have my own hammock slung. Very interesting. I did not know that the Kalinago people use castor oil. So there we go. So moving on, I want to talk about some of the descriptions as well that Labat has in his book, which is quite insightful. So he says caribs, so I'm going to say caribs because that's, I'm just going to, so I can read it properly. As he says caribs in the book, so Please do not be offended, my people. I'm not um, going to be disrespectful. The correct term is Kalinago, but I'm just reading it as per in the book. So he says, It is certain that the Caribs are frequently tormented by the devil. But this never happened whilst I was staying in any of their caves. For it is a fact that the presence of a Christian among them delivers them from the persecutions of the evil spirit. <laughs> yeah. They have another safeguard against the devil. When a Christian does not live with them, they beg him to make a wooden cross and nail it to their cave. This is just straight indoctrination of fear, of Christianity via fear. Then they are safe from the devil so long as a sacred emblem remains with them. And this has been proved a thousand times. The Indians, however, are superstitious. And if they are unsuccessful in their fishing or hunting, they imagine that the devil has punished them because he's enraged with them on the account of the cross in their cave. They will then burn the cross or smash it to pieces. When the devil torments them afresh, a thing which never fails to happen, they ask for another cross. The Caribs speak three languages. The first and ordinary language is spoken by everyone and is the men's speech. The second is used only by women when talking to each other, though the men understand the women's language. They will consider themselves dishonored if they spoke it themselves or reply to their wives, should they have the temerity to use it when addressing them. Women know their husband's language and are obliged to speak it when they address him, but they never use it when talking to each other. This language is entirely different to that of the men. The third language is only known to the men who have been to war and more especially the old men. This is a jargon that they have invented rather than a real language and is spoken at important meetings when they wish to keep their resolution secret. I thought that was quite cool. 
as well. Uh, they actually have three languages. Um, what's interesting is is that there is a priest, I believe his name is Dutet, and he has an actual Kalinago to French dictionary that was written in the 1600s. It's been very difficult for me to find it, but I think it'd be absolutely amazing for us to revive these languages. Um, and I think, it's, uh, honestly, they really are in the most obscure places like Harvard and all of these institutions have them in their private collections. So one of the things that he did say as well, he said, if the Caribs wish to pay a compliment to a man, they call him Banare. So B-A-N-A-R-E, Banare. This word means man of the sea or man who has come from the sea. I thought that was beautiful for them to say that as a compliment, you are a man of the sea. I thought that was very beautiful. And one of the things that's interesting, there was another guy who lived amongst the Kalinago people. He said that they could dive up to 120 feet into the water. And when you think about that, you know, they did not have diving masks or snorkels. So to be able to be diving, so they were deep sea divers. And, you know, sometimes you look at Polynesian people or people from, you know, the Far East who walk on beds of water under the sea. And I, I often wonder, I say, I wonder if the Kalinagos used to do that. But I always thought that was really, really cool. So, guys, we're going to take a break. And for this little segment, we're going to have a piece of music from the Caribbean. I'm all for opening my mind and all of our ears as well to all the dynamics and the beauty and diversity of Caribbean music. And I'm introducing you guys to this segment, this piece of music. So guys, coming back, welcome back. So I'm going to talk to you guys another story of the Kalinago people. And this is the story of Alexander Morrow. So Alexander Morrow, young guy, sent to St. Vincent to be a spy, but also to teach the Kalinago people to shoot guns and to fight the British because, of course, the French had their own interests. So Morrow heads down to St. Vincent. And within his diaries, he's a beautiful writer. And within his diaries, he gives some amazing explanations or descriptions about the Kalinago people. And one of the most insightful things I notice is he said this. So here's a small excerpt from Alexander Moreau's diaries about seeing the Kalinago people for the very first time. 
Never was a voyage more lovely, more agreeable than mine to St. Vincent. A soft and fresh breeze drove the schooner through the smooth, silvery channel of St. Lucia and Martinique, which I left behind me, shot up into the sky its pitors, surrounded with a crown of heavy clouds. Above a winding and densely wooded coast of the island of St. Lucia displayed a soufriere, whose smoke caught from the sun's rays all tints of the rainbow. And then what happens is that Moreau lands in St. Vincent. And St. Vincent was also one of the last islands to be entirely colonized. And that is due to the high numbers of Kalinago people and the Garifuna, which are what we call the Black Caribs, the enslaved who integrated themselves into the Kalinago communities and formulated a new tribe, a people called the Garifuna. So... Within that, he says, This was my first view of the indigenous to the new world. I was much struck by their looks, as was Christopher Columbus. The first thing I noticed was their grave demeanor, dignified and proud. There was, in this respect, some likeness to the Spaniards. It was very easy to recognize a people never disgraced by slavery, who regarded themselves as anyone's equal. I thought that extremely powerful. I'll read it again. It was easy to recognize a people never disgraced by slavery, who regarded themselves as anyone's equal. Their looks were assured and in them could read an indomitable courage which had stood the proof of three centuries. I just thought that really beautiful. I mean, what happens with Moreau is that he goes on to describe that, you know, like the women were very cheerful and lovely and laughing or laughing at him and giggling and the men were all very, you know, quite stern and serious and so on. So what happens is with Moreau is that he spends many months with the Kalinago people. He gets to befriend the chief and he teaches them how to shoot. But what I gather is that he learned more or he gained more than him actually teaching them anything. Because in his diaries, he doesn't talk too much about, oh, I taught them this or I taught them that. He's just going in about all the things that he's learned. So he befriends the chief. Chief of what he describes is a very powerful man. So from Morrow's diaries, he's having a conversation with an older Englishman. And the Englishman is talking about the chief and his daughter. And he describes the situation with the daughter like this. Her fame was already known to me as a heroine of Victory Hill, the saviour of the town of Pointer Pier. She had rendered many such services to the inhabitants of Guadeloupe and Martinique. She often visited the latter isle where she had been brought up in the nunnery at Saint-Pierre. Her only brother had died in a fight with the English, and her mother being dead, she was the only object of love and consolation left to her father compelled to recognize the superiority of white men the red chief wished his daughter to grasp their ideas in order to use them for the good and safety of his race this plan had succeeded completely education had grafted its powerful advantages onto the strong qualities of a savage nature and the caribs recognized that she has as much wisdom in the councils of the grand lodge and she had bravery and skill in war her name was Eliyama, E-L-I-A-M-A, Eliyama, which signifies rainbow. 
Strange that the natural phenomenon denoted by this word signifies, alike to Caribbean ancient Jew, the hope of a better time. So what happens is, Moro falls in love with Eliyama. And he spends many months, he doesn't speak if she ever reciprocated or if they had ever had any kind of intimacy, but they did spend a lot of time together. One of the first meeting of Alexander Moreau and Eliyama was under very dramatic circumstances um, and there was a hurricane coming and, you know, the the island, um, he had never met Eliyama. She was still in Martinique or Guadeloupe um, learning the ways of the of Europeans and the hurricane was coming and this wind, wind blowing and waves crashing and the trees are all over the place and the Kalinago community is trying to see, you know, how they're going to start to, you know, fortify themselves with this hurricane. And they're looking out into the coastline and then all of a sudden the chief, Pakiri, says, he says this, it is my daughter, he cried. And in a transport of despair added, be true and devoted to us. For if I perish, do not abandon my brethren and their misfortune. This is what he turns around and says to Alexander. Be true and devoted to us, right? For if I perish, do not abandon my brethren in their misfortune. And he waited not for my answer, but flung himself into the form of a retreating wave and reached open water, whether to save his beloved daughter or to perish with her. So fortunately, he did save his daughter. And this is how Moro and Eliyama had developed this form of friendship. And he was very much besotted um, by her. So what has happened is that with that story is that it develops into something, you know, quite intense. And Moro is very conflicted with the relationship with the Europeans and the Kalinagos. But then he is called to become a spy in Martinique. And that in itself is a very dramatic account. It's very like 17th century James Bond flicks, um, which I won't go into, but I'm happy to give you guys the book in the show notes because it is online as a PDF. It's a beautiful read. It talks about this massive tragedy in Trinidad that just explodes in the most like dramatic fashion. It's so much in that book is absolutely incredible but it's only a few chapters it's, it's like his life story and it's the set of chapters in the Caribbean that I read and I thought it was absolutely riveting so what has happened with Eliyama is that with the Caribs and the Europeans they're fighting back and forth Alexander is a Martinique being a spy doing all kind of 007 shit so what's happened is that he hears that the British have attacked St. Vincent. And as soon as he hears that, yo, he canoes right across the channel to get to St. Vincent, to the village. And when he gets there, there is this most horrific massacre where his brethren, his close friend, the chief Pakiri, was killed. So I'm going to read the excerpt from what he saw when the British invaded. And one of the things I have to be clear on, when I say British um, forces, it's not entirely Europeans. We have to remember that the Europeans contracted black people to be part of their armed forces because they can't handle the bush, them can't handle the mountain, them can't handle the heat. So that's one of the realities of um, our history, which I found very difficult as well. 
and I found this difficulty in this account. So I'm going to I'm going to read that. And when he got there, so when Alexander got there, there was a little boy who was basically his little like assistant or companion who helped him teach him the language and all this kind of thing like that. And the little boy had survived. And so when he got there, he said, who is here? And the boy responds, no one. What? You are alone? Alone, he says. And your master, meaning uh, the chief, Pakiri, killed. And your mistress, and that by that he means Eliyama, dead. She had seen the chief fall at the head of his warriors, struck in the side by a bullet which had killed him instantaneously. His daughter, wounded several times in the retreat through the forest, feeling her strength failing, had sought refuge on top of the Soufriere. She had been pursued by the Negro enemy trackers and, finding herself about to fall into their hands, had flung herself into the great fissure of the volcano. The barbarians, eager not to lose her, had rushed into the fumes to seize her, and the child who was on the rim of the mountain had never seen them return. The causes of the defeat of the Caribs were the knowledge of their defenses, as reported to the General Captain D. The superiority in numbers of the enemy, the tardy arrival of help from Guadeloupe, and above all, the employment of by General Amber Crombie and a battalion of Negroes raised in Martinique and commanded by two Creoles accustomed to hunting slaves in the woods. These Negroes crept at full length to passages believed to be inaccessible and getting in the rear of the last military position, they reached the redoubt which served as a refuge for the women and children and a storehouse for munitions and food. They sacked everything, pitilessly killing the harmless occupants, pillaging and burning the foodstuffs, and the combatants, hearing of the disaster, lost courage, and the death of their chief left them without a leader. So yes, so El- Eliyama was, was murdered, as was the chief um, and several hundred Kalinago people by the British um, and that's just another story but you know that the fact i just like i keep saying i just love hearing the words that they spoke um the acts of bravery and to to find these little gems where this their their stories are not just glossed over as oh yes they were killed and that's it but you know what did they say what did they do what did they eat what did they feel as people and that's what that's what i love to read one of the things I wanted to share with you guys, I know this was quite a difficult podcast in terms of because it's, it's laced with so much tragedy, so much emotion, you know, but that the Kalinago people are absolutely incredible people. And I encourage all of you to learn about these people who walked the soil, you know, for centuries before the Europeans ever came. They were doing amazing things. And one of the things that Moreau had actually noted, and he said, is that these were no dull peasants, but active hunters with a straight eye and sure foot, who had only to learn how to work together. They became so good in shooting at the target that I felt obliged to attribute the cause to the mother of the chief of the Black Caribs, whose powers of sorcery must have speeded their rapid progress. Her two granddaughters, Morning Star, and flower of the forest never missed a target once 
Looking on this general training of girls armed to defend their homes instead of groaning and calling for the providence as they do in Europe, I could not believe that the fortune of war would fail so fair and holy a cause. So that just goes to show that what he's describing is young girls who were some badass sharpshooters who never missed a target once and their names were Morningstar and Flower Forest. In closing, um, guys, I'd like to come back to Pelabat and something that he also wrote amongst his very in-depth description of the Kalinago people, but something that I thought was extremely powerful and I think it would really encompass everything that I want to know about our indigenous people and how I see them. There are no people in the world so jealous of their liberty or who resent more the smallest check on their freedom. They laugh at us for obeying and respecting our rulers and say that we must be their slaves and that since we allow them to give us orders, we must also be cowards. Thank you guys for listening. And this was episode two of Noya Caribbean, where we're bigging up our indigenous people. Big up. See you guys soon and thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.